Has anyone had the experience this week of having to coax and then ultimately cover for a child that didn't quite get their act together for Mother's Day? Was it just... Or was it... Oh, good. Someone else, someone else is with me. And uh, I just, uh, I, it just came to me as I was sitting there and I just think one or two people uh, need to hear this morning from the Holy Spirit that you know, God has you covered. Okay, I just think there's one or two people that really especially need to hear that God has you covered. And then, but then I was also thinking about actually, it's quite a nice segue into lament because uh, ultimately, lament is about God saying to us, "My faithfulness has covered you in whatever comes your way. My enduring faithfulness is ultimately." covering you okay so this is lament part two um if you missed andy's incredibly insightful and powerful talk last week then i really encourage you to go and listen to it even if you did it's definitely worth listening to again okay and as andy said um the lament psalms are about 40% of all the, t- the psalms, so we, we thought it was worth giving it uh, our time and attention. Uh, but, psalm, sorry, but lament isn't just a feature of the psalms. Actually, lament features across the whole of the Bible, both Old and New Testament. And Jesus lamented. Okay? I mean, and there are many examples in the Gospels of Jesus lamenting. So... If Jesus lamented, then I think we should fully embrace lament too, as Jesus' followers. And so it is a little bit perplexing that it's reckoned, I don't know how they reckon this, but it sounds plausible, but in our modern song worship, only about 2% of our songs have the theme of lament. It's a, it's a big deficit that I think as a church we need to address and I think, you know, recently, if I just think about recent events like COVID, like war, like refugee crisis after refugee crisis, cost of living, and let alone all the situations that we are dealing with where we're standing with people who are just going through tough times and who are grieving and who are struggling. It just tells you that as humans, there are always reasons to lament. And so... If we are going to remain relevant, then I think we need to learn to lament well, not just for ourselves, but also for others. And this week I thought it would be good just to look at one psalm. Uh, We're going to look at Psalm 22 um, as an example. So it's a well-known lament psalm. If you want to sort of get ready and uh, get your devices turned to Psalm 22. And not least, if you get bored and distracted by me, then you can, you can focus in on the psalm. Um, but before we do that, just a couple, couple, more, couple more reflections. The reality is that we all experience grief and loss and hurt at different times and at different ways in our life. So Andy last week shared his and Lina's current experience. For me, Mother's Day is... is quite a poignant moment because for the last few weeks uh, I've been dealing with 
the, the rapid change of circumstances for my mum and what that's meant for my family. Um, and I've had to lament quite a lot of change. That's my current experience. But you'll all have your own experiences. And sometimes, actually, it can be just change in life that triggers feelings of loss and pain and grief. It's as we transition from something towards something. But however it comes, we shouldn't compare. We shouldn't compare our experiences because God receives them all. That's what the Lament Psalms are teaching us. God receives all of them. And so they all need to be recognized and treated with equal love, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In fact, all the things that Galatians 5, 22, 23 would say are the fruits of the Spirit. That's how we should look to treat one another as we face tough times. Okay, so to give away um, my talk up front. Okay, there we go. Lament really is not, uh, it's not a starting place or an ending place, but it's meant to be a healthy journey with a purpose. Okay, it takes us somewhere intentional, and that's a healthy place. It's intended to help us take loss, grief, pain, dealing with change in our lives, to take all those feelings fully into the presence of God. Okay? Lament Psalms show us that all of those feelings are just as much an integral part of our worship as any other. And that ultimately, lament is about an intimate relationship with God. It's about our intimacy with God. So let's start to look at Psalm 22. And uh, Anthony, I wonder if you could read verses 1 to 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Brilliant. Thanks, Anthea. Psalm 22 is, a, is an incredibly well-known lament psalm, not least because Jesus prays its first line on the cross. And those first five verses are almost like a psalm within a psalm, aren't they? From verse 1, we're taken very quickly from the cry of distress. Oh God, where are you? What are you doing? Or what are you not doing, God? To the joy of trust in God's saving faithfulness in verse 5. It's like a rapid, quick-fire burst of emotions. It's like when we go into shock and suddenly all of our feelings just sort of flood out. The, uh, the theologian Walter Brueggemann said, lament is disorientation directed towards God. I really like that. You know, it expresses our relational confusion when we feel hurt and abandoned. Now, I'm aware that there are doctrinal schools of thought that say that you know, we can't, we shouldn't trust our emotions and that rather we should put them aside and just trust the word of God. But the thing is, you know, the many psalms of lament, as, as we've said, 40% of the psalms 
that of course are the word of God, to me, don't support that view at all. Rather, they give us full permission to share all of our emotions and take them to God. So in these first five verses, you get a whole range. You get distress, abandonment, restlessness, praise, honor, trust. They all surface. And our relational God receives them with the same acceptance and faithfulness as any other of our feelings. It's all part of our worship. And remember, in Psalms, the revelation comes through our human response to God. Now, the book of Psalms is humans responding to God. So God isn't necessarily agreeing with or condoning everything expressed in them, but God is still speaking through them, through how we as humans process him. So crying out and questioning God is inherently relational because it provokes a conversation that makes space for God to respond to us. You know, as Andy said so well last week, if he couldn't worship when he was feeling low in the last three years, he wouldn't have been able to worship at all. Lament Psalms teach us that worship really is for all of what life throws at us. And that actually, it's when we don't take our feelings to God that we can run into problems because we deny God the opportunity to shape and restore those feelings, those parts of us that we're struggling with. And that's when we can get stuck on our journey towards Christless likeness. Lament is a journey of permission where we are invited to share all of our feelings with God. Verse 6 then suddenly says, But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who seek me mock at me. And then verse 12, Many bulls encircle me, strong bulls of Basham surround me. Verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. And 16, for dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and my feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. Lament psalms usually follow a pattern, okay? And the pattern goes something like this. They start off with a cry out to God, okay? Um, Then they move to an, an appeal, appeal to God. And then they start to move to us expressing our confidence that God will start to hear us and will start to act. And finally, they, they move us towards praise. Praise for what God is doing or praise for what we believe God is going to do. Lament Psalms are designed to take us on a healthy journey that lead to a fresh revelation of God's faithfulness. They're like a mini Exodus experience. You know, that was Israel's defining national journey. They were taken from the abandonment and distress of, of oppression to the freedom of worship and praise in the intimate presence of God. So what's happening here in Psalm 22? Because after the, the rapid high that we get to in verse 5, we seem to get stuck. We seem to get stuck in this pattern of, but hang on, bad stuff's happening to me. Hang on, I'm still struggling. Hang on, I'm still encircled. 
And so verses 6 to 21 show us what happens when we try and shortcut the lament journey, when we try and move on too quickly. And it's not a smooth ride because we get thrown back into the complaint and we get thrown back into struggle. Like the Exodus generation, when they tried to short-circuit what God was doing, things went wrong very, very quickly, didn't they? And they ended up in the struggle of wilderness. And you see exactly the same theme expressed in the book of Job. Job's friends cause him to move on too quickly. And so what you get is 34 chapters of backward and forward arguments between Job and his friends. Backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, as they're struggling to work out what's going on. Until finally, God intervenes and saves us, the reader, for any more chapters of going backwards and forwards. And takes Job on a restorative journey and actually rebukes his well-meaning friends. Lament is a healthy journey, a healthy spiritual journey that God wants us to see all the way through. Now, I know particularly in our types of churches, you know, we encourage one another to, to pray for God to come and to pray for God to answer our prayers quickly. And that's fine. It's great. I'm all in. And it's brilliant when God answers prayers and very quickly in short order and things move on. You know, we pray and thank God and celebrate and amen. But I think mostly we've come to realize with experience that we have to embrace the reality that even with prayer, Sometimes issues, many times issues can take time to work through. That a quick fix doesn't always end up with enduring change. I think that's what's going on in this psalm. There's a struggle going on. The psalmist David is trying to break through. He's trying to get to that fresh place of revelation. But it's a struggle. And that's why I also think that Jesus cries out the first line of this psalm. At his death, at his crucifixion. The path to crucifixion was a tremendous struggle for Jesus. But it was one that ultimately led to the most amazing transforming work of God. So lament is a journey we need to stick with and not take shortcuts. Okay, the final part of the journey. Anthea, could you come and read... Uh, verses 22 to 31 for me please I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation I will praise you you who fear the Lord praise him all you offspring of Jacob glorify him stand in awe of him all you offspring of Israel for he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted he did not hide his face from me but heard when I cried to him From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and return to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. 
It is finished. Amen. Thank you. Lament is a journey with a purpose, and that purpose is restoration. What has been broken or lost or hurt is being made new. God has you covered. We emerge from the struggle of our pain with a deeper understanding and a fresh revelation of God's enduring faithfulness that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that deserves our most wonderful praise. This is an amazing psalm because when finally the psalmist breaks through, you get this most amazing outburst of praise, verse after verse of wonderful praise. And you know, every single lament psalm other than one, which is Psalm 88, includes praise. Every single one. They are intended to take us to a place of fresh revelation with God. And it's why I believe that the ultimate moment of hurt and pain and loss and grief, that Jesus leads us in a psalm of lament. Just think about it for a minute. What is Jesus doing here? If you can read it in Mark 15:34, Matthew 27:46 says the same thing. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is crying out. What is Jesus crying out in a loud voice? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How do laments start? They start with a cry out to God. Psalms were Israel's hymn book, okay? And um, so the Jews at Jesus' crucifixion would have instantly recognized this was Psalm 22. It's the only psalm that starts that way. There would be no doubt that he was starting to sing, most probably, Psalm 22. As Andy said last week, this is the fully human Jesus expressing his human feelings of abandonment, because that's how lament psalms start. And Jesus is entering into the very human process of lament. But crucially, feeling God has abandoned us is not the same thing as God actually abandoning us. Okay? They're not the same thing. Our feeling that God is distant is not the same thing as God actually being distant. Now, there has been much theological reflection on this verse. Um, and especially a reformed theological view that's been very prevalent, that this is the moment God turns away from Jesus because of the awfulness of all of our sin that Jesus has taken on himself. But personally, for me, I don't think that's a very helpful theological reflection, um, particularly not at this point in the text, and I'll tell you why. For a start, and we've just been reading it, uh, Psalm 22 has got nothing to do with God turning away because of David's sin. Okay, Absolutely nothing whatsoever. So it would be a very odd thing to do to quote that psalm for that reason at this moment of Jesus' crucifixion. But I think more fundamentally, um, you know, we believe that Jesus was not just fully human, but fully divine. Jesus is God. So how can we really have God turning away and abandoning God, even for a moment? It, it just, you know, the central mystery of our faith is that we understand God as Trinity, Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's an internal existing relationship. And if we break that relationship, even for a moment, our theology tells us that we have no 
Holy Trinity. It can't be broken. And then there's the gospel writings, and especially John. You know, John talks about the absolute oneness of God and Jesus. John 10.30, the Father and I are one. John 17.21, you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. And then there's also, I think, the really important point that Jesus was willingly obedient to God, and Jesus models for us willing obedience. So how can God turn away from his beloved son, who God is at one with, by the way, right at the moment of his most absolute willing obedience, even to death? Hey, for me, that doesn't work. Rather, I think what is happening is that Jesus is showing us at this moment of moments the centrality and the power of lament within an intimate relationship with God. He's leading a lament. Precisely because ultimately he knows it leads to new creation and restoration. That's where the lament psalms take us. That's their point. That's their purpose. So we know that not even death can separate us from the love of God. Lament is a journey with a purpose. And for me, this is really confirmed by the way Psalm 22 ends. Okay, so according to John, Jesus' final words are what? It is finished. And these are basically the final thoughts of Psalm 22 that Anthony went out for us. And of course, the gathered crowd around Jesus were certainly the Jews they would have arrived at this very same point with Jesus hanging there dead. And I'll just read it again from verse 31. This is what would have been going on in their heads. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying, he has done it. It is finished. God has done it. God has been faithful to us. It's been done. Jesus gives them then, gives us now, the most wonderful assurance that our lament journey ends with the assurance of God's enduring faithfulness. Not just for then and not just for us now, but for all time, for future generations, for the generations yet to be born. It's done. God has demonstrated his faithfulness to us. And for me, that's very, very good news, that we end... Oh, no, there we go. I didn't. Okay, that was the last slide. We end with Psalm 22, not with God turning away, but with the assurance God is always with us, even in death. And in verse 19 of Psalm 22, there's a question raised, isn't it? The question is, God, where are you? I don't want you to be far away. And here God answers it. God is saying, I am never far away. And what's true for David and what's true for Jesus is surely true for us who are being remade in the image of Christ. As Romans 8 assures us, there is nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the point of lament, that nothing can separate us, even death from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Okay. 
So how do we respond? I, th- I think it was clear for those of you that were here last week uh, that the Holy Spirit was moving really powerfully as we responded to Andy's talk. But I got the sense there was more to come. So let's not move on too quickly. But let's keep responding this morning to the God who is covering us, has us covered, to the God whose enduring faithfulness has done it. The God that will see it through with us. It can be hard. It can be hard to admit that we aren't taking everything into our experience with God. It can be hard to realise that we're allowed to, we have permission to pour out even our negative stuff to God. It's hard, I know, when we get stuck, but God never tires of inviting us to engage with him in worship, the presence of the Holy Spirit, for all of we are, for who all of we are in whatever we're going through. Let's respond to the God who has us covered. Thanks, Paul.